Let's get chilly. Hello, and welcome back to Let's Chill, the official, unofficial Minnesota Windchill, Minnesota Strike podcast. I'm Jeff. I'm Kane. And for the second week in a row, we are not joined by Jay. Uh, he's been doing some much more important stuff, saving lives and on a mission trip. And so he's he's doing his thing. We're doing ours. We'll look forward to having him back on the pod ASAP. Uh, he's making the world a better place. We're watching Frisbee, you know. Exactly. Um so we are while while Jay's out in like the Appalachian Mountains, we're here doing some stall seven. Uh Kane, you got a stall seven for us? Absolutely. So the uh end zone celebrations for all the teams this weekend were emphatic to say the least. Mm-hmm. There were two players on the Minnesota Wind Show that have done my favorite celebration so far. It was Ian McCoskey and what player did a little piggyback celebration in the end zone? Uh it was TK, Paul Kranick himself. Yes, sir. Two legends. Two Ian, legends. If, I, if you're listening, man, we'd love to have you on the pod sometime. Heck yeah. I think they were teammates. Did PK play for Grey Duck? This is such a bad... That's Cold such a bad... Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if he did, honestly. I think he I'm, did. I'm, I'm 99% sure. sure. Uh, we've been told... We've been called by other Winchell players um, who may or may not be named... Like we are big PK fans, and we are, uh, we are, we are big PK fans, so we should know this. But uh, mm-hmm. PK, we're sorry. See, I'm, I'm a fan of PK on the wind chill. That's that's the thing. Like, <laughs> like Ray Duck PK, you don't count. Of, like, like Justin Jefferson. If you're a fan of him, you're not a fan of him when he was in college. Like, whatever, you know. Like, whatever. Who cares? It's it's like the <laughs> it's the multiverse, right? Like you got you have Tobey Maguire Spider Man. Yeah, Tom Holland Spider Man, but like you, you're not a Spider Man fan. You got to be one. You got to choose your Spider Man, right? Exactly. You got to choose your PK. Exactly. And I choose the PK that went off in Saturday's game. Segue into some talking points here about the game. I got a stall seven. Oh, <laughs> I'll save the segue for after. We'll find a segue. Actually, I have a pretty good segue. Um, all right. All four teams. Across the league, all four number one spots have been claimed. Can you name those four teams? In order of how they're going to appear in the power rankings this week. Ready? New York, Salt Lake, Atlanta, Minnesota. Yeah, that is correct. In fact, those that's my that's my predictions for championship weekend as well, I'm being honest, at this point in time. I and again, this is a great this is see. Great segue. I don't totally disagree. I think I don't think any of them are like secured. I mean, okay, I think Empire pretty safe to bet. I think Salt Lake is pretty safe. Um Atlanta, I could see I could see being in an upset, and I could see Minnesota being upset, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think those four are gonna be that's pretty much the snapshot of championship yeah. weekend. Yeah, definitely. I think especially the Empires, just one of those teams where it's like if if they don't make it to championship weekend, it doesn't matter who else does. Because the only thing that matters is, oh, they didn't. Wow. I bet that's what's going to be. That's going to be so, the storyline. I mean, yeah. who's going to upset Empire at this point if right. Shred or Colorado can't put them down? I'm yeah. sorry, but I don't think the Breeze are stronger than this. I mean, like that doesn't mean they're stronger than the Shred, but like they definitely could topple the Empire. But I don't think this year. Yeah, and it also kind of like, like let's say, you know, mm. three, four weeks from 
now, or is it six weeks from now? Whatever championship game is. Let's say it's Minnesota, New York, and Minnesota wins. Ideal world. Yeah. You already know everyone is going to be like, oh, they're the flute game. Like, I'm saying on the pod right now, whatever date this is published on air, so everyone can know that if Minnesota does win the championships, I guarantee so many people are going to be like, oh, come on, that's a fluke. Yeah, I, but I think that when you have a streak, though, like the Empire or like the mechanics, it goes, the storyline favors the streak. Because even even like mechanics, you don't want to, again, like everyone's talked about, you don't want to be the team that that loses to the mechanics after you know 72 straight losses. But mm-hmm. but this think about how that's written is like, wow, after 72 losses, the mechanics finally pulled one out. They had all their things working, and it just so happened to be against the Thunderbirds on this day. Right. right. It's not like, wow, the Thunderbirds suck, they're they're the worst team in the league or anything like that. Right. And same mm-hmm. same goes for the Empire of like, yeah, if if a sleeper team like the Windchill beat the Empire. It's not like Minnesota's this great, amazing team. Yeah, it's like, oh, the Empire, they were, you know, they had three ejections because they had a total of nine spikes across their game. And, uh, you know, it was an off night for them. I wasn't going to bring that up on the pod. I wasn't going to say I had to bring it up. We don't have to talk about it. This is a windshield podcast, and we should get to the game. But I had to bring that up. Um, Hilarious, separate episode. Queen at us, and we can talk about it. But Please get in our DMs. I would love yeah. So so the Winchell played the Union and and <laughs> speaking of like Thunderbirds Detroit like in a game that felt like one of those games that Minnesota puts up some crazy numbers against a team was, who's historically really good against the Winchell. And what's even better for me is that it wasn't like a, a lead that was in one quarter. Well, I think we won every quarter. Like mm-hmm. we said, first quarter we ended in a tie. It was five to five. Yep. But when you look at that first, you break it down by quarter. That first quarter we went, we got four in a row, four breaks in a row on us. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching the game. I'm like, all right, so this is you know Minnesota Chicago. And then no, the team adjusted like immediately. There was one huddle. You could see them all looking at each other. You could see them like Ben talking, and I was like, okay. And then it happened. I mean, he made the adjustments and he got the team to where it needed to go. So it, it's really cool to see this game play out like it did, given the past discussions we've had um, behind the scenes with some players on pod with Tucker or Colin Barry, Dylan DeClerc's interview last night. Like it all it all tracks. It all checks out. They're being very consistent of how they want to play the small ball game or, you know, they take a quarter by quarter. Colin Barry said they want to win by 20. Obviously, they didn't win by 20, but like for a second, it was like they had their they had the union doubled in like the fourth quarter, if maybe the third quarter. Like it, yeah. it was not a close game, other than the first quarter, where yes, like the first four breaks, the crowd was silent. And it was like it was embarrassing. I like sat down for a sec. I was like, this is this is tough. You know? And then, but then yeah, like after that first break, I was like, well, no, we could, you know, like it's the first quarter and then they scored a three more breaks in a that's, row. It was like, that's literally what I said. I was, I was watching it. And I said, like, after we got that first break, I went, you know what? It's the first quarter, first quarter. Mm-hmm. So I, I literally made popcorn and sat down. I was like, let's go. Like I, I got another full game to watch. For those of you who don't know, I had COVID. That's why I'm a little nasally. I might be coughing a little bit on the pod too still. 
So I couldn't go to the game, but I was watching it from home. And that was a fun one to watch. But yeah, it was, and it wasn't just fun because we got that little comeback in the first quarter. But like you said, like we got a big win. And it was really cool to see Minnesota do that, especially against Chicago. That felt good to see us just get another one and another one. And Mm -hmm. yeah, electric, great game to have. And then I think going to Detroit next week too, I'm not saying we should drop that game to Detroit, but now it's like, if we do, I don't even care, honestly. Like genuinely, if we lose to Detroit next week, I don't care. Yeah, I think, and like DeClerc put it pretty well in the post-game interview where he more or less said like, you know, the season's not finished. They have one more game still. And and then after that, they have a three-week break. And like a lot of players are are playing clubs, so it's not like they're not going to be playing ultimate, but like that's a lot of downtime for professional players to be sitting around while your main opponent has a playoff game. Mm-hmm. So like they're, uh, and again, uh, like this is to be illustrative. I'm not trying to like discount anyone while Minnesota is kind of sitting around, not playing ultimate they're you know, Indian Chicago are going at it head to head in some of the most competitive ultimate they're going to be playing this year. Right. So they're going to be extremely competitive while Minnesota has a little bit of a lax schedule. Um, and so I, and I, I don't even think, I don't think they're going to try to be disrespectful to Detroit. I don't think they're going to like just try to destroy them, but I don't think they're going to be easing up either just because they want to be as practiced as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think what I say, if they lose to try, I would be upset. I don't think that they're going to like throw the game and I don't no, want them to. Honestly. I know what you're saying. I, yeah. And I think it just, it, for me, especially because they have this easier like next few weeks, I think it gives them a time to, sit back and take a breath because it feels like they've been playing so intense the last this whole season and i think that to me is the benefit of getting the first place seed i'm I'm trying to look at it positive i'm not saying like you're wrong obviously yes i'm I'm putting a positive spin on it it gives the team a chance to recuperate and look at what did work this season and use this time to stretch out a little bit and then get Mm -hmm. back into it so that's how I'm looking at it, at least. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And like, I think, uh, again, with the just historic matchup of that Central Division, you know, championship game where like the last two years have been just kind of disheartening uh, ends to the season. I think, again, that everyone's talked about it since since opening poll of this season, that Minnesota has the ultimate goal of being at championship weekend, representing themselves at home. Um, like they have home field advantage the rest of the postseason now, which is really cool to see. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think they're definitely going to be watching film. They're going to be practicing, and like and like I was saying, I was I was more trying to be illustrative of like they're not just sitting on the couch for the next three weeks, but yeah, no, I, you know, yeah, they're not playing competitive ultimate right. that matters. So right. it'll be interesting to see who's going to be their opponent. Like at this point, especially after Saturday, I, all my money's on Indy. Like it has to be, oh, yeah, but, yeah. but at the same it's, time, Chicago is still a good team. Like they were missing a lot of players on Saturday and you can't, you can't look the other way there. They were missing a lot of players who are big. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I, I'm favoring Indy personally over those two, just because I feel like Indy has a better team overall, especially this year. Uh. That being said, I still think I, I could take Minnesota over both of them again. Even even with those two having that final playoff, like like Minnesota has a second to take their breath here. 
And I think that's all we really need before we made that final push. So, yeah, I agree. I, yeah, as it stands right now, especially after the game on Saturday, I don't have any doubt in my mind. I think this whole year I have been the skeptic. I have admittedly said, I don't know about this team. I really am unsure about their depth. I'm unsure about their consistency right now. I've never been more confident in this team, at least, at least to get to championship weekend. After that, we can, we can have other discussions of, can they, can they hold their own, but for championship for like the central division title, not, not a doubt in my mind. Right. Yeah. I mean, I already clinched, clinched first place in the regular season. Heck yeah. We're celebrating tonight. We got the, the water in the mug. That's right. I'm hydrating or dehydrating. So, Speaking of depth and consistency, that's what I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, thank you. Pleasantly surprised uh, about their outing on Saturday. Like, there's a great mixture of vets and rookies and returning players all holding their own. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was, it really, again, I think we talked about last week of like, it really truly felt like a team win. Like, I tweeted like I I love to tweet you know the player of the game at the windshield and see like okay who who deserves these honors and Dylan DeClerc eventually won it but like I tweeted three different players at them I was like you can make a case for any of these players Michael Peterson who uh, correct me if I'm wrong he's a returning player he's played for the windshield in the past couple seasons like like a couple seasons ago um and he I took a great video I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet it and put it on Instagram in a couple days but. Just this beautiful flick huck from the end zone against in the third quarter. I took it. I was like sitting in the end zone and it was just like this beautiful, majestic piece of art. And Mm -hmm. he had a couple, uh, a couple of throws like that where like, he just like underrated. He's not been on my radar. I think. Um, I mean, he hasn't played a whole lot this year. No. And I'm assuming because of scheduling stuff. I'm, I'm from what I know, he's, so he's 41. I don't know if you know that. I did not know that. Yeah, he's 41. Oh, no, he's wow, good for him. So he's experienced. Yeah, he's he's been doing this. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. And so wow. I think his presence on that field, especially with a lot of the players, like you said, who are a little bit newer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could tell I mean, he slotted in really well with PK. I think he yeah. had two plays with PK, two points with him. And so yeah, Mike Peterson definitely gives a shout out. Becker Mathy, Math. I don't know how to pronounce his last Matt, name. I think Matthew. Okay, Matthew, yep. he gets a shout out too. Yep. Dude, if, if either of you guys are listening, come on the pod. That'd be pretty sweet. This is the best way to spread your name. <laughs> yeah. Well, all, all eight of our listeners. Thanks, mom. I don't even know if mom listens. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Miss Winfield. <laughs> that, um, that was funny. Uh, no, but also Quinn Snyder had a huge game. Um, ironically, did not score five goals, which was predicted. And uh, <laughs> we were behind the scenes a little bit. We were like, yeah, of course he's going to score five goals. He's Quinn Snyder, and he scored four. Um, so, so he fun. did not, but but still, he was doing Quinn Snyder things. He had some great grabs, yeah. huge guys. Put like, like three different people on a poster. It was crazy. Quinn Literally, Snyder and Quinn Snyder things. Yeah. Um, and then Dylan DeClerc, like, was player of the game for a reason. You know, he was so good. He had five goals. He had a block. Uh, I think he only had, like, he had less than 200 receiving yards, but like every time he touched the disc, it felt like an important Super point impactful. of the game. Yes. Right. right. And I love that we have guys like people like Dylan DeClerc, 
and you know Bivon this year, who are it's expected that they do well. You know Quinn Snyder, it, he was printed to get five goals, he got four. That's not like a shocker to us because he's expected to do good. But my takeaway is that while he and Dylan DeClerc and all these other like veteran pieces are doing what they do, so many other pieces are moving up into the system and adding more depth and more things that they do to the team. So no longer is it just like, okay, you know, we'll we'll feed Quinn Snyder when we can. He does his thing. Now it's every single one of the people on the field is excelling at what they do. And it really feels like you said team wins. It feels like every single player is really combining their efforts. Just, yeah, very cohesive team. So that reminds you of something that Colin Barry had said when he was on. Um, and I had tweeted about this too. They, he's basically been used as the third receiver on offense, but that's kind of almost turned into being the first receiver because he he's the mismatch guy where people are covering Bivon and Snyder because historically, like you just said, those are the guys that Winch will look to. So now right. you put Quinn Snyder or uh, Colin Barry in there, and now he becomes your almost your primary receiver and draws that mismatch because no one thinks we need to cover Colin Barry. Right. Right. And and so yeah, yeah that really helps yeah. create that environment of a team win. Everyone's pulling their own. Right. They, they it feels like this team has a really good job of like creating offer opportunities off of and for each other. Yes. It's like I mean, again, you look at Dylan Clark with 200 receiving yards and what six goals or whatever. Uh he had five last night, but yeah. Or yeah. Yeah, five, yeah. Only five last night. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, you, you look at stats like at, and you can look at it and go, oh, he only caught, you know, those few end zone passes. Or you can look at it as the rest of his team set him up to do what he does best, right? Yeah. Like, it wasn't, you know, Dylan DeClerc got lucky and was able to get five goals last night. It was the team has worked in a way that allows us to succeed in the ways that we are good at. So, yeah, absolutely. What I'm saying is the team does what the team is supposed to do, you know. Absolutely. That, they are designed that way and, and it's working out well. So, so who do you think? So Tucker had posed this question to us after the podcast um, last week. Who do you think is going to stand out in the postseason? Or not even stand out, because again, like the answer is going to be like everyone. It's going to be a team win for a postseason. But like, are there any names that you expect to really step up, to continue to hold their own? Are there any names who you are like worried are going to get cut but shouldn't? You know, like has everyone who's like, earn their spot in the 20 that you don't know if they are going right. to, if they are going to earn their spot. Um, geez. Okay. That's a tough question. I, it's a big one. I want to sound like a broken record. I think the icebergs really are going to have a good postseason. Yeah. I think Bergmeier, especially for me, just feels like that energy player who thrives in those situations where it's like the, the high pressure postseason. Like he, he always yeah. makes the big plays, but so does Bergland. Like those are big energy players. And so I'm expecting both of them to have a huge showing. So. Curious, because I remember, so so long story, or just to get to the point, like defense was on the field a lot last night because, you know, they kept scoring all these breaks and then the offense, you know, sat on the sidelines. So I'm curious to see how Berglund did last night. He had four assists and 356 throwing yards, which like those are pretty good numbers. That That's a, those are good. I mean, those... He had three hucks for a completion rate of 75%. Like, yeah, yeah I think he's... you're right. You, again, usually for a defensive handler too, like I, I said it in my in my, in my article, which if you haven't read it yet, 
go check out Who Are the Icebergs by K Novak on winchelltalk.com. Uh, he's a really good defensive handler. I think he slots in really nicely with pieces like DeClerc and mm-hmm. like basically everyone on the D-line. You can name any single person, and Berkland has a good connection with him just because that's what he does. But, yeah, I, I think those two are my official answer. I'm going to pose the same question to you then. Yeah, um, I guess, and again, I've also to not sound like a broken record. Like I think, I think PK and Will Brandt, um, especially for me personally, PK. I think, you know, again, he just came back from Worlds. Like that's a that's a very high pressure setting. That's a very unfamiliar territory with with teammates you've never even played with pretty much ever before. Um, against, against opponents the, from countries that you've ne- never been to with yes. play styles you've never seen. like Exactly. Yes. Thank you for filling that in because that's exact. That's like what I was going to say is like you have to be comfortable in unfamiliar territory. And like, yeah, if you're playing in the Central Division time and time over, like, you know, you know the Chicago matchup you're going to be facing against. You can watch that footage and know, yes, I got beat this time because I blah, blah, blah. You know, like, but to be put in an unfamiliar territory and an unfamiliar field too. Like again, we ha- Winchell have home field advantage, but it's not their home field. So that's actually going to be a factor that might not actually play into the Winchell success. Like let's keep that in mind too. Um, that's true. I didn't think so I th- of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think PK is going to be someone to watch. I don't. I I kind of hope he steps up as a leader. I hope he you know kind of straightens some heads a little bit. But I think just even leading by example and just playing his game the way he normally does, keeping keeping his wits about him and being PK, I think that's going to really help the team in in a sense of like find a sense of calm. Absolutely, yeah. and the other piece you pointed out, Will Brand, I'll give a little bit of voice to his side of things. He stepped up big against Indy. Yeah, I mean, he was called out as AUDL's like deep bag of the week because you saw him just saucing people up left and right like <laughs> i think will brand is one of those handlers that especially people from other divisions don't watch this podcast hopefully but don't don't check these for the scouting reports do not put your eyes on will brand we don't want him guarded but i don't think they're taking him seriously i think they're gonna you know you got josh claim they're like okay obviously yeah he's a threat and then they don't see will brand is like that guy he's he's able to make all those same plays so right yeah, yeah. So if you're a division opponent, or if you're an opponent who you're not, you don't play for the windshield. Will Brandt is so bad. Yeah, he's actually really, so D D three. He's D three. Yeah. So you know, Player of the year for D three. Ben Yacht, please don't spike on Will Brandt because he's actually not very good. So he's. I mean, look, basically a discount Ben Yacht part two. <laughs> so is he a Nick sure. discount Nick vote? Discount Nick Vote. But there Nick Vote's a cutter. <laughs> exactly. Handlers are discount cutters. I'll say it. Okay. Okay. So this is really getting layered. Handlers have to throw the disc too. I mean, cutters have to throw the disc too. <laughs> um, any Anything else? I mean, again, this weekend, it was just, again, for me, it was crazy to see how big of a separation Minnesota created after such a close first quarter. Like I, I feel like I can't even emphasize that enough of like tied first quarter. And I think we all were like, okay, yeah, this is a typical Minnesota Chicago game. This is going to be fought to the end. And then even second quarter, I, I think third quarter was when it really came around because the union only scored twice. I think in that quarter, 
which is like was shocking was crazy and one and of them was like after a what like five minute point or whatever it yeah, was it like, took forever yeah yeah so it wasn't yeah. even ridiculous there were a lot of turnovers it was pretty windy um but not more than normal i don't think i wouldn't say from my perspective like it was pretty standard seafoam wind um so I don't know if like there just was miscommunication. Again, I know you and were missing a couple key players, so they could maybe people were in their roles. I don't know their roster well enough to say so and so was on more than normal. I can't speak to that, but yeah, it just felt like they were really disconnected, and it really like did not feel like a typical Union team. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, I wasn't upset to see, but it was kind of very surprising at the outcome. Right. What's to me what that show, what that game really showed was. Minnesota's ability to take up op- to take advantage of opportunities because yeah. you look at the union and you go yeah like that's a team that has been historically good especially against Minnesota that's a team that has been really good at taking advantage of us and it feels like it feels like we didn't play the union yesterday and I don't mean that like a, oh they suck too bad it feels like it was an opponent that we hadn't you know watched the film for they had a very different play style it felt like Mm-hmm. and again a lot of that's just because pieces were missing and people had to fill in and so it was really awesome to see Minnesota adapt really early on and then continue to adapt throughout the game to fight those challenges and you know taking advantage of the opportunities that Chicago gave us is what made us win that game it wasn't yeah. because Chicago messed up. I don't want us to think that it was because you know there was a drop that doesn't matter because Minnesota dropped the disc and crap ton too yeah we just I took think, advantage of opportunities and didn't let them. Yeah, I think one thing that really speaks to that is, and again, Tucker alluded to this last week, and I took some videos posted on Twitter this week of like they were focusing on their sideline traps, um, like bo- both teams, but specifically the windshield. And I, I know that the union, they love those roller poles to the sideline. And like that is always like pissed me off. I've hated that. And Minnesota for the longest time, it seemed like they couldn't quite figure out how to break that. And it felt like last night, both teams, and I'll, I'll give Union credit for this too, but I think Minnesota did it slightly better. Both teams did a very good job breaking out of that sideline trap. Um, and that was really cool to see too. Again, like you kind of said, they they adjusted. They took advantage of of times when they could, and they found ways to win in in situations where they wouldn't have before. Um, yeah. And again, the, the union were were doing similar drills to warm up, and they had plenty of opportunities to get out of sideline traps too, which they mo- they mostly did. There were a couple like stall counts and stuff, and I think the union actually had a hand block. They blocked one of Minnesota's, um, which is kind of cool to see because you never really see that. But um, so yeah, but I think I think both teams adjusted well on the fly when they needed to. But again, I think Minnesota, like you said, just did it better last night. They just did it a little bit cleaner, and they were more successful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think last thing I'm going to have to add before we wrap this up, I was re-listening to the Ben Feldman interview uh, yeah. before the Colorado game. And just kind of like remember what we had even talked about before that. And he said, one thing that he'd brought up was that one game against Colorado, a loss like that isn't going to make a difference. And what he said almost word for word was, it sure would be nice to win that game but we're going to come back and win the rest anyway. Was essentially was what his attitude was. Was yeah. that game would be great, but it's an opportunity to go get a taste of it and then come back and then finish up. 
And I feel like that's what they did. They really did not let that Colorado win slow them down or loss slow them down. And if it feels like this team, I'm not even gonna say pull themselves together because they weren't ever really strewn apart after that game. Mm-hmm. It feels like they came back right away. And now it just feels like they're chugging along. So Yeah, definitely. And right. That's surprise, surprise. Yeah. Uh just again, yeah, just add one one additional thought. Um I think I think I wrote in my I think recap or preview or whatever of that of that Colorado game of how regardless of that outcome, like and it, they uh, stati- more likely than not, they're probably not gonna be playing Colorado in championship weekend. They very well could be, and I don't want to discount them. They more likely will be playing Salt Lake Shred at this point. Um, but I think that still provides very valuable experience. Um and it will help them adjust and get ready for that game. So I think they can use again what they learned in Colorado uh, to to hopefully sneak out a win against any West Division opponent they have to go against in Championship Weekend. Absolutely. But first, of course, they have to play the Detroit Mechanics, uh, which will be next Sunday, uh, July twenty third, I believe, is the date at five p.m. Um, their last regular season game of twenty twenty three. It's going to be fun. I'm going to be there on the fence. And then after that, are you going to be on the fence, Kane? Yes, sir. Kane's going to be on the fence. Um, and after that, they have a three-week break. And then August 12th, they are playing for the Central Division Championship title at Seafoam Stadium. That game's going to be huge. I'm so pumped for that game. So show up big. And come say hi to us. We met a couple of people at the game last night. But in the past couple of weeks, two people have said hi to us. And so it's been pretty cool to see. Again, thank you for your support throughout the season. I also want to give a shout out to all the photographers. Um, I know we we do our best to credit all the photographers, all of our art, all of our social media. But thank you so much, um, uh, Trent Erickson, uh, Megan White, Rich Mole, Mitchell May. I, those are four names I always look to, but I know there are plenty of others that the windshield use. Thank you so much for letting us use your your work, uh, letting us tag you in all of our posts. Uh, this episode is presented by the R1P1 Network. They have been such great help this season, helping us create some amazing thumbnails and graphics for all of our posts and all our episodes. Uh, can't wait to see you again back at Seafoam Stadium next Sunday. Uh, and in the meantime, of course, stay chilly. Stay chilly.